The real talk with Caleb. Y'all know the deal. We keep it real around here. Got my good friend and brother on here tonight. Well, it was tonight for us. I don't know what it is for you, wherever you're listening, but we hope you're blessed. Got Shaman on tonight. And, and we want to talk to you a little bit. We just want to have a real conversation. Nothing scripted. There's no notes. Uh, I'm in the middle of a PCS. While we were just talking earlier before we came on. I don't even have a notebook in my hand tonight. And uh, so to the audience, it might be a little bit echoey because my house is empty. Uh, but we want to talk to you tonight uh, about, you know, outgrowing it and knowing when you've outgrown it, whatever it is, and Shimano walks through that, and then and then how to move on to the next thing, whatever that is. So uh, there's a lot that we can unpack in that, uh, but Shimano, we're talking, I don't know, man, what was it, a couple months back or maybe a month ago, had a great conversation. We probably should have recorded that one, <laughs> and, uh, uh, but you know, we got on here again and able to work the schedules out. So man, welcome to the show. Uh, again, you've been on here a couple of times. It was under a different name at the time, and some things that have transpired over the last year or so since you've been on, but uh, so what's on your mind? How are you doing? And uh, and we'll get right into it, man. Tell us what you want the audience to know about you. Well, absolutely. Well, thanks, first of all, just for having me on. It's always a pleasure to get a chance to chat with you over the phone on Zoom and obviously uh, in, in this method uh, on the podcast. So, But uh, yeah, for those who don't know me, Shimon, um, I'm a CMAS sergeant stationed at Randolph's Air Force Base, and I am uh, stationed at AFPC. So even though I work at uh, the Air Force Personnel Center, I'm at the senior enlisted leader over at the Air and Space Expeditionary Forces Center. I've been here for about eight, nine months. I have a civil engineer background with an electrical focus. And uh, yeah, this, this is about my last year. Married, a couple of kids, been in this game in the military for about 23 years. Looking forward to the, to the in-depth conversation about how you get to that point where you either feel like you've either outgrown the military or a job or a certain part of your life. And uh, and or you feel like you're beginning to. Yeah, no, man, that's great. Thanks for thanks for joining us here. And 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 honestly, man, thanks for your service. Right. Uh, a lot of the audience uh, are military members and they get it. And not to imply that our civilian uh, civilians out there across the U.S. don't understand it. But thanks for your service and the sacrifice you and your family have been through 23 years. Man, that's that's nothing to blink an eye. at. That's that's a long time. Uh, it doesn't feel like a long time sometimes, you know, when you. You're just like, man, it feels like I was picking up, put my bags down at BMT out there at Lackland. I, I swear, man, I, 21 years from in, I was telling Amy the other day, I was like, man, things like that. Honestly, it was, I was looking at a picture of Elijah. And for those that know me, I know Elijah's my oldest son. He's in the military as well now, and, and he's bigger than I am. And if you know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a smaller guy at 6'5", and uh, he's a big dude now. But I was looking at a picture. Yeah, he's about six, seven, six, eight. And I was looking at a picture, and he was on my chest, man. It was right before I left for basic. He's a little dude, you know, like I think just like five and a half weeks old. And I was looking, we were going packing up, you know, the house and stuff. I was looking through pictures and I saw that one. And I was like, holy moly, that's just like seems so short time ago. And you look back, it's like, man, it's 21 years ago. So it's it might seem fast to us sometimes, but we get in those spaces, man, where you just take a break for a second because we always move so fast and there's so many things going on that we're like, hey, is this is this where I'm supposed to be right now? Is this what I is this where I'm needed? Am I maximizing? my potential, my capacity, my capabilities uh, in the area I'm in now. So, you know, when we were talking earlier, I don't want to lead you in any one sort of way. Uh, I, I'd like you to speak to us about what's on your heart uh, from that aspect. And the audience, they can draw from it whatever parallels they want to or need to to apply it to their lives. Um, because that's the heart of it, right? It's just to, to help people when they're walking on their journey. So what's on your mind when you say, hey, you know what, knowing when you've kind of, you know, it's time to move on, it's, you've kind of outlived it, you've outgrown it, so to speak. 
Uh, what's on your mind? Is, is it the end of the military career, the end of your Air Force career? Is it something else? Uh, what is exactly that comes to mind when you, when you think of that or hear that phrase? Yeah, so I think uh, it's a combination of all the above. Kind of the sense of how much longer can I do this? The sense of have I already outgrown it? Uh, am I fulfilled in the job? Am I fulfilled in the military? And then obviously that thought process that begins to belabor the ideal as to what I want to do next in the next chapter of my life as a civilian um, and, and where do I want to do that. So a lot of those thoughts are usually going through my mind uh, at a regular basis now, but over the past few years, as I approach 20 and beyond, that's just a constant thought. You, There's a circle of friends, colleagues who are in that same realm, which you can bounce ideas off of and have conversations where some days during the week, you're like, man, I'm really fired up. I'm excited about going in and throwing on a uniform. I love serving. Um, you're still, you know, chasing your, your why. But then there's a couple of days throughout the week, and it's somewhat consistent throughout the month and year that I feel like, man, am I overstaying my welcome? And I don't need to go do something else. Um, it becomes ever clear in terms of now that I'm paying attention more to the signs of how I'm feeling in the moment while I'm at work. For example, when I get to work, I commute about 30 minutes, I get a log in, and then I know the, the, the process of the day is either consisted of uh, meetings, checking email, doing a walk around, chatting with folks, et cetera. But when I check my email in the morning, I'm looking at the clock and it's maybe 7.30, 8 o'clock, and I'm thinking like, okay, man, I got eight more hours at a minimum before I can go home and invest any more time in myself. And so there's this aura of just like, ugh, that's kind of just sitting heavy with me. And I wasn't quite sure of how I even got to that point. I just realized, man, I'm beginning to feel this more and more. So it drove some conversations. It drove me to, to read more. It drove me to listen to things that kind of helped me identify why I was feeling that way. And it led me to start realizing that I may not be fulfilled in what I was doing and or it might be necessary for me to consider doing something else. And thinking about the time that I was not at work, how am I investing my time before and after work so that I can either better balance the remaining time that I have on service uh, as I prepare to transition. And when I transition, I wanna find myself doing something that I know creates the fulfillment that's in line with my purpose. Yeah, you've said that a couple of times now, and that, that <clears throat> I know that is uh, it's definitely important to my life. You talk about purpose and your why. Uh, I like to refer to it as my dash, right? You know, uh, people probably heard me say this before, but you got a, a, a date on your tombstone or a plaque or whatever you're going to be buried or your urn or your ashes or whatever, right? There's a date uh, where we were born. Uh, for me, it's 1981, and we're in that dash right now. I mean, you both are in that dash. We never know when, uh, you know, death is going to be at our doorstep and not to be uh, speak, you know, like, in a dark space by any means, but that's just a reality, right? So what are we doing in that time that we've been given here on earth and, and how, are, how are we executing that? And so I hear you say that about your why and your purpose. And and what are your thoughts on that? Like, I know that uh, I've talked to you before where you, you've agreed that like, hey, that purpose and that why kind of flexes a little bit as you grow and you mature. Um, but how important is it, do you think it is to understand your why and your purpose? Kind of walk us through that a little bit. And how that pertains to what we're talking about right now, because you're at 23 years, I'm at 21. Somebody might be listening to this and the same feeling, the same way that we're we're talking right now, the same way you're describing your feelings. And they might be at four years. They might be at six years. Maybe they're they're contemplating re-enlisting if they're in the United States military, or maybe they're in their career somewhere at 3M or Google or wherever, right? 
and they're they're at a, at a time and a space where they feel the same way. So talk us talk to us a little bit about your purpose, your why. Okay, well, let me backtrack to <laughs> to when I came in, and I'll speed up um, as we kind of talk about the why and and the purpose. So I think when I came in, I, I clearly had a why, but it wasn't defined on, on paper. I hadn't written it out. I really hadn't a long conversation. My it was very simple, just to get away from home. Get a chance to travel, education, have some independence, my own money, my own place, et cetera, et cetera. So that was my why. And it served its purpose for two to four years because that was my plan. I didn't plan to make it a career. And so as I got into the military and just like many of us, you kind of get acclimated to it and you know, it becomes enjoyable. You look forward to the next opportunities. And then before you know it, you're at eight, you're at 15, and then you're at 20. <laughs> and you're like, wait a minute, how did I end up here? So of course, like I said, that that why quickly shifted because obviously as I I grew a family uh, throughout my career. Um, the reason why I stayed obviously became tied to providing for my family. The reason why I stayed again was of course, creating more opportunities for my family financially. And then possibly the relationships that I built in the military may lead to some avenues that pay dividends for them beyond my existence. Um, mm -hmm. But now as to where I am with my why, um, it has to shift because as uh, those things that have already been fulfilled within my why, whether it's going to school, the travel, the independence, being able to provide for my family. My wife works in CE. She's an engineer. My son is a civilian employee as a heavy equipment operating CE. So they have their own why and stability that no longer really requires my involvement of service in the military. And because now I know that I have uh, a multitude of ways of providing my income for myself and for my family beyond the military, I have to then ask myself constantly, why am I staying, <laughs> right? Yeah. And yeah. Very, very simple. Well, one, I stay because I love what I do, which is kind of tied to my purpose in some sense uh, of serving. Well, and being a part of a team, something bigger than myself. I've always been a part of teams and sports. So that's why it drives me at the core of me. But ironically, there's an interesting dichotomy around the idea of saying, I want to stay close to people, stay connected, be get, you know, get back to being able to help airmen, because in one sense, that has its truth. But then when you say that, how would that actually be a truth if you're aspiring to, to move higher in our echelons of rank? Because the reality is, although I say or we say in our language that I want to be next to, to the troops, I want to be out in the field, I want to be amongst them wherever it is that I plan to go in pursuit of my professional endeavors, whether it's senior, chief, the colonel, same thing on the officer side, I have less time really to spend with them. So it's yeah. just opposite of what I said. The reason why I'm staying at this point is not necessarily true. And it, it causes me to kind of look in the mirror and question, why am I really staying? And so now uh, that truth is familiarity, comfort, ease. It's on autopilot. Uh, stability financially, uh, don't have to worry about changing uh, other than an assignment possibly, and it's, it's doable. And then obviously if the feeling of having to let go of those relationships, the feeling of letting go of power or the sense of power of, or influence, the sense of positional power, um, and, and all those things that kind of tie to you know, the, the military construct where the why challenges my purpose is, my purpose is to serve, serve in a multitudes of area. Uh, I enjoy real estate. I enjoy traveling. 
I enjoy working in a community. I enjoy building relationships and fostering needs that others may have. And that's all tied to service. And so I started questioning whether or not, what was I doing or not doing that prepared me to be in a position to do that all the time? Because if that's where I got my fulfillment, I looked at my 24 hour day, a chunk of it, PT, a chunk of it in the office meetings, emails and in the building. And sure, it has some, some remnants of being able to serve people, but it was less and less because of our hierarchy says, okay, mm. I can bypass my math sergeants, my tech sergeants, my staff sergeants to get to airmen. Yeah. And I have to learn how to let go. So that's where I'm at in this phase now of understanding my why I serve now is kind of leaving a legacy, being able to leave on my own terms and finishing my career stronger than I started. Nope, it doesn't have a particular rank. Although uh, I would be lying if I said, hey, I wouldn't be honored to wear the next stripe. But I know at this point in my life, okay, the stripe isn't going to create more fulfillment. Yeah. It may create more money. It may create more relationships. But I can do that on the outside. I'm still mm-hmm. going to have that feeling when I go into the office and log on and say I got 8, 10, 12 hours. The demand of my, my presence away from my home, away from my family, away from what my purpose is, is going to be even higher. And so then I would be lying to myself if I said my why is still the same why at this point in my life if it's not connected to my purpose. So that, yeah, that's how you, Yeah, you're absolutely, that's, uh, that's, that's on point. Not, not just because I agree with everything you're saying, but uh, it's on point, <clears throat> excuse me, because it's logically sound, right? Uh, we all come in uh, in the military, or you start your first job, wherever that is, whatever career path you've chosen, right? Uh, maybe you didn't even choose a career path. You're just trying to work through college. There might be somebody listening that's just trying to work through college, right? And then, uh, you know, so sometimes you just end up where you are. Uh, but you don't know quite a few things, man. We could explore. That's probably like four or five different podcasts we could we could pull this apart on. So just if we can, with the audience, just deep dive into Air Force isms for a second, and you draw the parallels wherever you can. Uh, we're going to be a little bit selfish and go Air Force hot here. But uh, so from an Air Force perspective, you're absolutely right, man. A lot of especially. In our community, right? I'm an engineer. That's my background as well. Well, a dirt boy. I don't know if you call us engineers or not, but uh, an equipment operator, right? We tear a lot of stuff up. We build some stuff too. But yeah. uh, we get used to being, quote unquote, in the trenches with the team, right? And that's where a lot of us earn our money, so to speak, earn our street cred. You know, if you're and you're you're the staff sergeant, that NCO, that tech sergeant, the senior NCO is a master sergeant level. Before you get out of the trenches, you know, some people try to pull you out when you're a tech sergeant. That's where you get your street cred, man. It's like that senior NCOs in the ditches with us, in the trenches with us, getting dirty with us. You know, all these things, you know, you build your, your credibility as a leader, right? And um, and we know that you have to shift when you're a senior mouse sergeant, especially, and as a chief mouse sergeant, you got different focuses. But however, in the squadron level, so some might maybe mid-level manager can associate with this as well in a, in a smaller corporation, you still get to see the people. Like, so if I'm a squadron SEL as a senior or a chief mouse sergeant, I get to see the people. Now, I don't go work with them every day, but I still got a little bit of street cred. Next thing you know, you keep moving up in the hierarchy as you talk about, your street cred gone, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and the level that you influence changes. So you're right. What I hear you saying a lot of is some introspection and being honest with yourself in that introspection. What am I still in this for? Can my mind, can I have that paradigm shift to, to take it to a different level, not even say the next or a higher level, just a different level to continue serve? Or continue serving uh, and, and still bring it, bring your A game every day. What I see, man, a lot of times, uh, I usually back that off and say sometimes, but I'm gonna say a lot of times, 
we see people that stay too long for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Whether that be in a, in a job on the outside or a job in the United States military, you know, as a career, you know, people stay too long for the wrong reasons, whether they're chasing stripes um, or whether they're chasing a retirement. You know, that had a lot to do with it too, right? Before they changed the uh, retirement system, you know, they had it where, you know, 20, you had to go 20 years uh, before you could retire. You know, so a lot of people just hung on for that. You find, you know, those roads, retired on active duties, right? You right. find that road NCO or senior NCO, you're like, man, why in the world are they there? Why in the world are you still here? Why, you, you know, and they'll tell you one thing or another. Most people, you know, aren't, aren't very transparent in that regard. Of course, you know, you're not going to go around telling everyone, like, well, I'm just saying to get my retirement. I mean, you're definitely losing your credibility there. Um, but I saw a lot of that, you know, now that they've changed the retirement system, we're going to look at it too from a, our younger generation of people serving. You know, most of them are not going to serve 20 years. Because, you know, it's kind of like a 401k for anybody that's, that's listening that's not in the United States Air Force. It's kind of like a 401k the way they do it now. You know, you, you contribute, the, the you know, the Air Force or government contributes a little bit, matches, you know, not too much to get into right now. But they can essentially walk out the door with something. Me and you, bro, you know how it was, man. You know, depending on where you came from, but me and you don't, weren't, you know, you, I'm not going to talk 100% for you, but you look up for an addiction, you might see my little buttons and overalls over there. You know what I mean? So yeah, you know, we, were, we were in it to win it, man. You know, like you said, that first why was... Now, I'm just trying to, you know, keep my kids off the street kind of thing, you know, just trying to put food on the table. And, and of course, you know, we we all at that age, for sure, I think the majority of us come in for different reasons. But, you know, in our generation, we've went to war. You know, we were we were in combat or combat operations. And so a lot of us have the, hey, we're going to serve our nation. We're going to try to make our nation a better place, what we dreamed of our nation being. So there's that element, of course, in our service. But a lot of it, too, is, hey, my first enlistment, reenlistment, man. A lot of people get upset when I tell them, tell my, tell Airman this story, you know, my story. They're like, hey, you're a chief, you know, the chief, my peers, and also like, hey, you, sh you shouldn't tell them that. I'm like, since I'm out there telling people the same thing, they're trying to reenlist it. She was reenlist to pay off her Honda. I didn't have the money to, to separate, right? I was, I had, I was a staff sergeant, you know, I had, we had three children at the time, Amy and I did, single source of income, and I couldn't, I couldn't, I, I didn't feel like I could step out in the community uh, and make the same amount of money I was making in the Air Force. Uh, and then, you know, three weeks later, we were towing some some of my friends home from the, the war zone after I re-enlisted. And I kind of felt that thing click inside of me. I was like, hey, I was meant to do this. And there's a whole other story for that, right? Um, but so people are like, well, you should just tell that story. I'm like, that's not the truth, though. That was three weeks after I re-enlisted. I did not re-enlist because I felt like I was born for the United States military, right? So anyway, the why and the purpose, that's that's one of the biggest takeaways that I hear you saying, man, is understanding your why and your purpose. And as that changes, continuing to have introspection and being honest with yourself to know, hey, it is time for a change. Uh, so walking us through that, man, of understanding what that is of like, let's just keep it real. You know what I mean? Like there's anxiety as a senior mass sergeant, as a chief mass sergeant, you know, myself as a chief mass sergeant, there's anxiety when we talk about doing something different. Yeah. Uh, for a lot of us, right? You know, we've been doing this for a hot minute. We're really good at it, you know, not patting ourselves on the back, but we've done it for two decades plus, right? So what were some of the feelings, if you don't mind sharing, as you're looking at your why and your purpose saying, hey, you know what? And talking with your family, maybe some of this stuff is shifting. What's what's next for us as a family unit? What's next for me as, as an individual? Walk us through some of those things. Did you have any, do you have any experiences where you had a feeling and, and how you overcame that or what you did to combat that feeling of kind of like, hey, well, maybe I'll just stick it out for a little bit longer or maybe I'll do this or that. Can you walk us through any of those scenarios? Absolutely. I think that's how I ended up here. And I'm, you know, I'm geo-batching out here uh, without the family, uh, unfortunately. But fortunately for me, 
it's turned out to be a life-changing experience. And uh, unbeknownst to myself, prior to my arrival, I didn't know after coming here that I would have the opportunity to experience a lot of time alone to reflect on how I got here and then how do I transition? So yes, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of fears, and some of it still exists. It's just at a different place at this point. But prior to me coming, there was a lot of deliberation between the family and I about, you know, should I go? Should I retire? What's best for them? What's best for me? What's best for us? There was some fear of loss of relevancy, you know, taking off the uniform, being in a respectful mm-hmm. position, establishing a social media presence, and how people may have uh, revered or respected you through a social lens. And then if you've the idea that you're losing that and that relationship drastically changing forever. And so thinking, how do I reconnect to my extended family as my children get old and they don't no longer need me in the same fashion to provide for them? or be there for them physically all the time, um, left me kind of like, okay, well, then, well, what do I do with all my spare time that I have yet to really acquire? But that's the thought that created anxiety. I didn't give it language and say it was anxiety. It was just conversation in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, that not wanting to end my career at Scott because I was either felt pressured to because when I asked my sons and I was like, hey, okay, kids, like, what's like, be honest with you, what's the deal? Do you, should, should dad retire? My, my oldest son was like, ah, you know, it depends on what you want to do, dad. I'm like, no, no, no. Tell me what you want. Dad can't say anything back. You know, I just want to know what you thought, what you feel. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, well, if you say it like that, I think you should retire. And then so I, as soon as I said, I was like, hey, Jamel, how about you? You think I should retire? I didn't get the question out. Done. And so I was like, oh, I guess they made it kind of quite clear. Um, so I, it weighed on me for a while and I prayed about it and I'm just like, okay, well, man, I've, and I think in sports analogies where do, do professional athletes walk away too early or too soon? I mean, too early, mm-hmm. too early. quite sure. But at whatever point they decide that that crossroads is necessary, and I'm quite sure they have a similar conversation with their family because they want more yeah. time with them. But at the end of the day, when my kids are grown and gone, I realized that I still had to look myself in the mirror and said, did I give it everything that I had? Did I fulfill what I wanted? And in a sense, I would be communicating to them that I was not hearing them, which was a fear, fearful thing for me. Number two was, could I push myself past the point to, that would create an atmosphere that in some ways I'm communicating to my children that what you want matters? that you are important. And for me, I had in my relationship with my wife and my home with my family, even though that I'm primarily the the provider, I kind of lost a sense of feeling as if like what I wanted was really important because I was always making decisions based upon what everybody in the family wanted, including my my extended family, my mom, my dad. Um, And so it was an opportunity for me to then communicate that back to them to say, hey, I'm going to do this for me. And I know it's going to have a, a second and third order effect on you all. And here's how I think we can manage this if you're willing. This would be my last assignment. I would have to commit to that. I would have to commit to says, okay, well, if I got promoted, I wouldn't take another assignment. Um, I would do this, that, and the other. And so that's what kind of ended me here. That's the anxiety that came with it. And like I said, that's the fears that I thought about in terms of just having loss or the potential chances of losing a sense of relevancy. You know, and how do I do that just as yeah. somebody put on a shirt and tie and going to a normal nine to five and find, finding a sense of challenge? I wasn't going to stay in one place, which I don't want to because I've been so accustomed to moving. So all of those things for me 
is what drove me here. Now that I'm here and I follow through with that, the conversation for myself changes. Am I really doing the things that are preparing me for what's next while still finishing strong or stronger than I started my military career? Yeah, absolutely. So 99%, you know, of the U.S. population does something outside of the United States military service, right? So, uh, you know, we say it a lot. We hear it said, hey, you're the part of the 1%. Sometimes people get a little twisted upstairs, you know, and they think we're the top 1%. (laughs) Maybe some are. I ain't the top 1%. I promise you that. Um, But you know what I mean? Like, so I I reaffirm people are trying to uh, say, hey, you know what? When they're on the fence about, hey, do I, chief, do I I re-enlist? What do I do, you know? Like, hey, 99% of the world does something or of the U.S. does something else besides military service. So you're going to make it. You're going to be okay if you got a plan. And let's talk through what your purpose is. So going back to that, right? What do you want to do? Like, when everybody's gathered around your tombstone or your 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 funeral, what do you want them to remember about you? What What is important to you, you know? How many people actually standing around there, you know? Sometimes, man, I, we've seen it. I know you've seen it. I've seen it. People go through military service and lose their entire family. Um, you know, sometimes it's to their own doing. Sometimes it's not, but more times than not, it is the active duty member's fault that they lose their family, whether that's a spouse or children. Uh, you know, when I say that about for losing, not not in death, but, you know, losing their their support or their company, right? Uh, you know, where I've heard chiefs talk about it, you know, before on their climb to trying to be a chief or a command chief or whatever, you know, you name the position. Like my wife even told me or my husband even told me like, this, this is the it, this is, we're done. And I kept on going and now, you know, I made it. And I don't have my family. You know, we talk about that front right row if you're staying long enough to retire, right? So for our civilian audience, typically in a military retirement, I can speak for the Air Force. I've gone to a couple of others, Marine Corps and Army, and they all tend to be the same in this regard. Your family, the most important people, if you're looking at the person retiring on stage, would be to the front and to the right. And so a lot of times military members will say uh, it's, it's about the front right. Uh, you know, if they're there, then I'm, I've, I've succeeded. Because most of the time when we retire, man, you know, people come in. There's people that love us, sure. But most of the time, the people in the audience are at whatever base you're at, right? They probably felt it was some type of mandatory show up. You know, yeah, we got some family and some friends, some brothers and sisters in arms that would, would travel to see us. But most of the people in the audience, hey, man, that, that Shaman, that Caleb, these good people, man. That's on Facebook or Instagram. And, and they love us, right? And I love them. But they ain't driving 500 miles or flying out to sea. You know what I mean? It's those people that you've done life with for the last whatever many years. And are they going to be there for you at the end? So realigning your priorities. I, I really want people to hear this. I'm all about Good. trying to keep people in the Air Force that want to be in the Air Force. But here's Absolutely. the thing. You know what I mean? Like there's other things out there. And if, if your heart's not in it, guess what? When when China or Russia come knocking, it, it, we've got the wrong people at the wrong spot for the wrong time. So I, I tell, you know, sometimes I, I get, you know, beat up about this a little bit too. Like, well, you ain't recruiting everybody. Well, everybody don't need to be in the United States military. I'm you know, just be honest with you. Not everybody's ready for the 20-year commitment. And maybe that, and, and that's not necessarily a requirement. You know what I mean? There's only, you know, 2%, theoretically speaking, 2% seniors and 1% chiefs. We don't need everybody to be a chief mass sergeant. Guess what? There'll be enough people to stay in that will rise to the ranks, uh, rise through the ranks. And here's another thing. I, I want to speak to you too, Shaman, on this. Man, you've had a rock star career. It's kind of like you you brought in sports earlier. And I know I'm jumping all over the place here, but I just want to speak to you on this because I feel it in my heart. There's there's quarterbacks. We'll talk about football. There's quarterbacks. There's wide receivers. I think about Megatron, man. Uh, you know what I mean? Like a phenomenal athlete, just amazing, never got a ring. So I see that kind of like, you know, some people look at rank that way, like, hey, I never won the Super Bowl. I didn't get yeah. chief. 
had a phenomenal career, phenomenal people. And, and we, well, we set these standards, you know what I mean? Like our own personal standards or other people like determined success. And nobody ever really said it, but we think that that's what everybody thinks. Like, Hey, I'm not successful unless I'm a mass sergeant. I can't retire as a tech sergeant or I can't retire as a senior or whatever, whatever, fill in the blank. And I just want to tell you, man, I know you know, but I just want to say it out loud. That is not the case. I'm proud to have served with you. Um, you're, you're a phenomenal person. I've learned a lot from you. A lot of people have. I'm not the only one. Um, so, you know, it's one of those things, too, of just being honest with ourselves. You know, I ain't a chief master under the Air Force. I will never be a chief master under the Air Force. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm good with that. Uh, because back to your point, some of us were built for the trenches. You know what I mean? And, and that's where I, I feel like I am. I'm the most effective with a kid on. With airmen downrange, that's where I'm the most effective as as a as a person as an I mean as an airman as a person I'm most effective as being a dad and a husband, uh, not necessarily in that order. You know, I feel my first priority is be a you know a man of God to be a husband and be a dad, um, and and that's where I'm fulfilled. So I just want to speak to people out there listening. Where are you fulfilled? Where do you feel fulfilled? And maybe we don't always know, right? We gotta have a little bit of faith, man. So you're stepping out on some faith, right? So you don't always know a hundred percent if that's that's the direction. If you're a person of faith, then then you should be praying. I, I believe you should be praying if you're a person of faith. If you're not, you got to go somewhere to that spiritual resilience piece, right? Of like, hey, do I have comfort in this decision that I'm making? Uh, so I'd like your thoughts on that too, man, because it, it, everybody knows, you know, there's so many people that got different belief patterns out there and belief systems. And and I'm, hey, you do you, uh, I'm going to do me. Uh, so kind of thing. So talk us through that, if you don't mind, share with it. How much of it, you mentioned it earlier about faith and you prayed about it. How much of that did did that weigh into your decision matrix and, and how did all that play out or, or any, and anything else that you want to share with us on this topic? Well, well faith is, has always been a, a huge part. I grew up around it because my dad's in the ministry. Uh, I guess you can say I'm kind of a preacher's kid. Um, I, I'm not a, a every Sunday church school, I'll be honest with that. I, I was at one point uh, in my early 20s to my late and early 30s. Um, but but I, I've always stayed kind of grounded in the idea that I have a, a, a spiritual relationship and, and belief in God for, for me and my family. And that when I feel like I'm at a place where I, I'm having difficulty with making a clear decision about what's best for me and my family, I do go back to that place. And even then, when I feel like I, I'm not clear uh, on what the definitive answer is and what's best, what I do get a sense of sometimes is now my spirit is being quickened about moving. Um, because if I, I have a vision, so the difference between my wife and I is I, uh, she's more of an anchor. I'm a visionary, so I keep moving, right? And she's, we've, we've had some friction sometimes because I've wanted her to adjust and flex and move and go and think quite like me, but that's not how she was created and the the tension that was created was primarily for me always wanting to move but her presence in my life helped keep me centered and balanced because she's the anchor she's a little bit more stubborn uh in certain areas than i am and so that's that's helped in terms of us having some type of faith beyond us and but i'll tell you that there's been some challenges coming here and being a part mm. relationship wise it puts stress on the family the stress on the relationship um, in, in terms of fulfillment, being here in the job and, and thinking about, hey, how do I fulfill a, a senior enlisted leader position? I get a chance to be over an organization, 100 plus military and civilian combined uh, and get a chance to forge relationships. But then when you get into the seat, there's in this position here, there's a feeling for me that my my experience, my skills 
and my purpose is underutilized. And so mm. that's there's a lack of fulfillment, right? Because I don't really, there's not a lot of takeaway that adds value to my life's purpose in those meetings. There's not a lot of value added by me tracking emails. There's not a lot of values in me, you know, processing EPRs and decorations. It, it does add value to others, but for me, right, in terms of how do I leverage my experiences, my gifts, my purpose, where I'm at that's most effective for the team, I'm not in that position. What reminded me of the, another reason why I was here and what I needed to learn by going through that is for my for the vast majority of our career, uh, many military members may have a similar story that we're always busy. Mm, yep. Whether it's after volunteering, whether it's after taking on major projects, whether that's a school, PME, uh, you, you name it, the list just goes on and on. And mm -hmm. so you get overly saturated and being busy. And it becomes like an unconscious thought. And so now when you're in an environment that's moving a lot slower, the demand and pace isn't as fast, you feel like, okay, well, then what am I supposed to do with my hands? <laughs> where, where, where do I go? I'm not, I'm not in the sausage making business anymore. And I'm, I'm constantly asking questions of how can I fit in? How can I know? How can I share what I've learned? Here, there's a, there's a, a, a mass sergeant who happens to be a, a minister. And he said, hey, so I've been watching how you move, man. And I know you're frustrated. Uh, just between you, me and you, man, can I share something with you? And I know you may have heard it already. And he'll say, uh, some, some sow seeds, some water. But God will give the increase. He's like, brother, clearly you are a cedar. And for what I took from that is like, that's the why I'm here. Service is about sowing seeds. Mm -hmm. I have no other job in the United States Air Force right now but to sow seeds. And can I find value where, in a spiritual sense, of where I've been placed because I asked to be here? And what can I then look to get out of the experience? that is not tied to what I thought I was going to get in the experience. So I had to let go, which is ironic because the entire experience here was called the letting go tour. Mm. I thought it was just letting go of whatever I experienced prior to arriving here, but now I had to let go of my unconscious biases, my expectations for the job and position, the relationship I thought I should have with my supervisor and my GS-15. Can you just go back? to sowing seeds, taking care of people, and do it with a great attitude. The seeds I sow, you may never reap the harvest, but can you lay the planks on the bridge in front of you, knowing that you may never cross it, knowing that you may never meet the folks that's going to cross behind you? That is what I'm preparing you for as you transition out, because where your heart of serving is, that's what I'm going to have you do at a broader ramp. That's deep, man. That's good stuff. Uh, how many how many people do you think that uh, can actually find themselves in that situation of acceptance, right? So what you're describing, I know a little more of the backstory that, that we're keeping a little bit cleaned up here, but, uh, you know, like the, the true, um, I would say, uh, not to put words in your mouth, but definitely disappointment and, yeah. and I would say borderline frustration and maybe some anger in there, right? I think that's, that's, those are normal responses for humans, right? When we don't get what we're looking for, we think we deserve. But yeah. man, the level of maturity that you're displaying and that you're conveying through conversation right now, it's not common, bro. And I know you know that, but so to the audience listening, uh, it, it is a tough hill. Like Shaman's uh, great at 
and making it sound a little bit easier than what it is. And he's not doing that on purpose just because of his character and his faith and his his strength to walk through this. But it's hard, right? It's you gotta lace them boots up oh, and climb that oh, mountain. Yeah. yeah, you better believe there's there's a lot of you know, take my hat off, sling it across the room, some you know, <laughs> some some few choice words, you know, uh finding myself feeling sorry for myself, making excuses. But I will tell you that even if it sounds good, I don't stay in that place for a long period of time. Um but like I said, there's, there's those ups and downs about that period where you feel disappointed, you wasn't taken care of, this situation could be handled differently. Maybe I kind of hung on to a little bit of anger and bitterness towards you know, the situation and or somebody at a particular time. But I mm-hmm. felt, again, I had to go through all of that, learning how to let go. Because, and when I was, I was writing some things down and just talking and I was thinking to myself, okay, for me, can I let go of who I've become in the military, my position, my 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 uh my influence my network can i let go of that in order to make room for the man i was created to be mm, that's right beautiful. and so I, I know that that's not something that every person deals with every person may not take the chance to reflect or or receive it back from someone else but i think our culture doesn't perpetuate that mm-hmm. so our, our culture in the military can only give what has been been invested so we spend a lot of time in classroom. We spend a lot of time in professional development. And if you don't hear those things because it infringes on maybe some spiritual beliefs, it infringes on you know what's right, wrong for one person and you let them figure it out. There's a large group of our population in the military and in the world who are left trying to figure those things out. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just a product of my environment. And sure, I'm, I'm pissed sometimes. But the reason why I don't stay there is because if I stay in that state of mind, like... I might as well get out. Yeah. I might as well get out. If I'm going to stay in the state of mind of being mad at what happened two years ago or at that person, I see it as that person said something, did something or interacted with me to push me past my limits. In the moment, the heated moment, I want to take my shirt off. I wanted to go in there and tell no crap. I ain't, I ain't BSing you. Like, I just like, hey, look, you're never going to talk to me like that as a grown man. I don't care what chief you are. I don't care what command you work for. You would never talk to me like that. I'm almost inviting the opportunity for you to say something wrong to me just so I can have an excuse to snap on you, right? Because that's, (laughs) you don't respect me as a man. I don't have nothing to do with rank, position, right? Because I think sometimes when people see their position, that innately tells them that they can control, they can say or do anything to you. Oh, yeah. To make people feel small or inferior, they'll do just that. And it's, it's unconscious to them sometimes. And so for me, I just had to kind of let go of that and just say, you know what, if, if I spend too much time pointing the finger, I'll create more opportunities for folks to point the finger at me because I'll adopt the same behavior that I'm really condemning. Mm, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the only way I can really think of it. But yeah, there's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of bitter. There's times where I thought, man, I could be a little bit further along in my career, but I am exactly where God would have me to be. And I, awesome. I am, I am absolutely happy. Like you said, I've had an up and down career, but I have, if I had a chance to go back and write the story prior to it happen, I couldn't tell you that I would have the opportunity to have served in positions, met and talked with certain people, folks reached out to talk to me. So that's the narrative that I began to replace with the frustration to say, you know what, man, God has been so good to me and kept me in spite of you're absolutely that's on point man so the reason i pulled the thread on that is it's not because you were intentionally hiding anything at all but 
you know, a lot of times we'll see the glory stuff, right? Another another reference to sports. I love watching Kobe Bryant play ball. Uh, you know, and that that hit all of us hard when when that tragedy struck. And my son, one of my sons, has books that he watched like play by play and written down. Like he's huge into basketball. And anyway, like, but we a lot the majority. Let's say the majority yeah. of Americans or the majority of the world. Let's say that the majority of the world that would watch Kobe Bryant saw his you know his turnaround fadeaway or his you know, his, you know, his awesome dunks and things like that. This is young kid's just super talented. When he came in the league, he was young, right? He was, I think he was like 17 or something, right? Uh, maybe 18. Um, but regardless, right out of high school. And uh, so anyway, you know, a lot of people would look at that and be like, he's just super gifted. Now, I'm not taking anything away from his, uh, you know, his genetics, if you will, right? He's definitely was a gifted athlete, a gifted person, but he put in the work. I don't know if you've ever like watched documentaries on that stuff, but that dude was in the gym all the time, like all the time, had no life. So a lot of times, you know, we see the snippets. I use that sports analogy, but a lot of times, you know, you'll hear a senior leader get up and be like, yeah, man, we, I was feeling bad one time and I got help. You know, I'll put it on my calendar. I, I, I got help, you know, and I, I want to show everybody that you can get help. And, but we don't get in a week. We don't get in the trash. We don't open it. Like one of my good friends would say, uh, I'll leave a nameless guy and ask him if I could mention him again on podcast. But he's been on the podcast before. He's like, chief is like that pink dumpster juice. The flies don't even land on it. And nobody ever talk about it. You know what I mean? Like, well, let's climb in the dumpster. Let's talk about how it ain't easy, right? So a lot of times we just, I think we, not intentionally, right? Sometimes it's we're not, we don't want to be vulnerable enough uh, to really share like, hey, I, you know, I, I thought about this or I did this or I did that or I heard Shaman say, just set your mind right. You know, one of my colonels that I work with, not my colonel, but one of the colonels that I work out here with, uh, our vice wing commander, he'll fight, he says all the time, get your mind right, get your mind right. Uh, so, you know, sometimes, and I'll say the uh, reason I use that clause and I give him a shout out for that, Colonel Rice, but is We'll hear Shaman get on here and be like, hey, you know what? You got to read, look at your purpose and look at your why. But I, I kind of want them to know too, not kind of, I want them to know like, dude, it ain't easy. And how you do it. How do you do that? I got it. That makes yeah. perfect sense. It's smooth. Get your mind right. Okay. How do I do that every day? <laughs> What's that look like <laughs> in my life? Yeah. How, how do I apply that? Because I'm not around nobody that talk like that or do that and, and stay focused for that long consistently. And, and just keep enduring. Uh, yeah, I can. You can talk from a spiritual standpoint, but what if that's not me? How do I find my why? How do? What What are you doing? So when you talk about work ethic and Kobe Bryant and stuff like that, in a different sense, metaphorically, that is what I'm doing mentally. Mm-hmm. Like there is not a day goes by that I can get up and go to work without starting my day listening to something motivational or inspirational. There's not a day go by that uh, either I don't get, I don't deliberately look up something and read something that's going to be you know, that edifies my soul and my purpose. Mm-hmm. That reminds me that I'm more than just Sergeant Seals. That reminds me more than I'm part of the military institution. That reminds me, mom, just more than a husband or a father, right? And that whatever that thing is that I'm more of, I need to be spending time with trying to figure what that is. And so I spend a lot of muscle memory in the brain trying to put pieces that make sense to how I evolve into that, whether it's the professional conversations, whether it's the strategic thought and planning, whether it's the understanding different perspectives and being open, whether it's being open and honest and being vulnerable from, from the fact that, hey, man, I've dealt with infidelity in my marriage, whether it's, uh, I, I thought in December of 2021 that uh, my wife and I were going to split and, and I went and got some alcohol and, and I'm not a bitch drinker and I had a few drinks and passed out. You know, and so and I don't advocate for someone to do that, trying to solve their problems. But then now I can tell you for for me not to save my marriage, but for me, 
I went and said, you know what? I've been advocating for mental health and seeking help. You've been saying you're going to go do it. So now I see a counselor. And I asked her, how often can we see each other? Once a month? Every other month? She's like, no, we can see weekly if you want. I was like, we're going to be best friends. <laughs> yeah. Same thing I asked you. Say, hey, oh, tell me anything you want to know. Peel back the onion because that's where I find my value in creating relationships, folks, because I think what I'm experiencing is the more vulnerable I get about the infidelity, the more vulnerable I get about, you know, the feelings I have about why my marriage may not be working and taking ownership. The more opportunities I'm providing for men to find themselves in my story, the more opportunities I'm finding for women to see themselves in that hurt that I can acknowledge for them how difficult it is as a man to repair that damage that's been done. You know, mm -hmm. so all of those things that help, that, that make us up before we even show up early in the morning in uniform, we bring all that with us. And so I, I think for me, that, that mental work of going to the gym is part of my therapy. Like I said, reading, studying, listening to podcasts becomes a ritual. I feel almost lost if I don't even do it. Yeah. That is a must. It is, it is a must. Like I, we ain't going to work with the right mindset if I'm not getting a chance to look to something. I just can't do it no more. Yeah, you, uh, that's another point. So we've talked about, or what you talked about is purpose, knowing your purpose, introspection, and maturity. The other piece of this, uh, uh, the, the four-legged chair, if you will, instead of a three-legged stool, is discipline. What I hear you say right there is discipline. And, and so, you know, to the audience, when we're talking about like, hey, you know, use, I used Kobe Bryant example. We're listening to Shaman talk about going through mental judo, if you will. Uh, it's a discipline. It, it, you know, a lot of people want to, you know, do the Instagram post, right? They're like, yeah. hey, embrace the suck, you know, like they're all some special operators or something, you know, and and it's easy to tweet things. It's easy to reshare a post that's motivational. Heck, half the time people don't even know what they're liking and what they're resharing or retweet. You know what I mean? Like, it's not real to them, you know, because we live in a society and a culture now, and I hate to be just so blunt, but put on your safety toe boots because we don't get after it for a second. We in a seven second gratification mode. You know what I mean? Like, so... A lot of times when we talk about discipline, that's the long haul. You know, there, there are times, right? There are times where it's super toxic or it's insurmountable. There's sometimes there are things that you cannot overcome and you're doing more damage, uh, maybe staying in that position, staying at that location, staying at that assignment or whatever, that's causing more damage because you're not uh, able to overcome whatever the obstacle is. So when I say causing damage, you might not be able to support, like you were saying before, the airmen in the trenches if it's the Air Force or maybe you're a mid-level manager at a company and Guess what? You love the people. You're trying to help the people, but nobody's trying to help you. And so it's kind of cutting you off. So you're and in theory or not in theory, but in, in actuality, you're not able to help out those who you're you're ready to help out. So I know there are times where you got to move on, move out, draw a different fire. But something I tell people and I've got an NCO call tomorrow that I'm having a chat. My last gig here is as I roll out. But we talk about being pressed, psychologically and physically ready and emotionally steady makes you hard to kill. So what I hear you saying a lot of, and, and not that you were going to, uh, you know, you had a couple of drinks and, and yeah, I got a little woozy. I'm not saying that you were hard, you know, like, uh, hey, this is going to be an easy target. But so many times, man, I find that people in this seven second, maybe I'm just being a little bit facetious with seven seconds, but this instant gratification type of mindset, my problems are going to go away quick. I'm going to see this post and I'm going to retweet it or that's who I am. Yeah, hard to kill. Yeah, chief, got it. Five seconds into that fire fight, and man, we just we're like, wait, we got to walk away. We can't handle this because we don't have the discipline of the mind to kind of get after it every day till we can see a different plan or create a different plan. Uh, maybe an exit strategy. Maybe it's a hey, we're able to adjust fire and, and hit the target the way we want to. But 
at the end of the day, being psychologically ready and emotionally steady, that's what's so hard for people because the flash to bang is so short, yeah. right? So something happens and we want to react uh, instead of being able to breeze through it, see what's actually what's actually occurring. Let's take a look at our battle space. So I want to give you a shout out, man, for, for having the discipline to stay getting after it uh, and to set your mind right. You know, like, oh, give Colonel Rice another shout out. Get your mind right. Uh, and he says it, you know, in, in, in jest. And then sometimes it's, you know, actually when he's talking about it, if, it's a good concept to have because you're describing that and giving action steps on how to get after it of like, so thank you for that of like, hey, it's not easy. Here's what I'm doing. I don't know about your particular situation because we don't know everybody that's out there, right? Uh, but anyway, thanks for thanks for sharing, man. And I know you got more to share. So I want to give you the mic, uh, Mike, again, over to you of any last thoughts or anything that we didn't discuss that you want to hit on this topic uh, that you want to share with us, man. Uh, other than where we are right now, because I know the, the good news that a lot of people have received with being able to make master in the United States Air Force, there's a lot of congratulations that goes out to folks who've been on the grind consistently, whether it's your first time, third, fourth, fifth time, right, and you made it. But for folks who haven't made it, there's a constant looming question, no matter what rank you're pursuing, it's like, well, what else do I got to do? Can somebody else take a look at my records? And so we've created this, this culture of expectation. Mm. And, I, and I want to be the first to say, hey, I'm, I'm at large part of the reason why that exists. Now, whether once someone wants to join me and, and being accountable for that, right, because we've kind of polarized what success looks like. Mm -hmm. We polarize the idea of success as mirrored and tied directly to our position and our rank. And so, but, but we don't really polarize being happy with where we are. And because we spend so much time focused on where I'm trying to go, you miss out on the fulfillment of where you are. So yeah. you don't spend time reflecting. You don't really appreciate the relationships and experiences that you have at the moment. So if I can leave anything to the audience, and particularly those folks who feel like they're not enough or they, they have to do more, I would say if you want to be an effective leader and you want to have influence, it is probably already within your grasp right now. But until you fully turn the way you look at where you are and how you value where you are and what you have, you're gonna feel a similar experience of defeat or coming up short as you continue to pursue the next rank and the next rank and the next position. Because for some, they'll progress because that's their race, that's their life. And, but we all have our own race. And if you just stick to who you are meant to be, and if you don't know who you are or what your why is or what your purpose is, I would take some time to kind of invest in that process first. Because when you can add fulfillment and reason and value that's not tied to an Air Force institutional competency <laughs> in terms of why you are enough, I think you can find fulfillment in your existence, in your family, what you have, and in the pursuit to succeed, how you define it in the military, then you'll realize that it's not a question of if, it's just a matter of when, because you are already walking into a destiny that was created for all of us. And if you get too bogged down and looking at to your left or to your right or to your rear, you miss out on the opportunity to realize where you are and the possibilities that lie ahead. So that's the only thing I can really leave your, your audience with. Uh, and that discipline, you're spot on. So that discipline for me looks like this here. I know your audience won't be able to see it, but when people say, hey, he makes things look so easy and <laughs> you know, he's popping up this every day, but how is he doing it? 
And people say, hey, how do you buy yourself? Well, I spend a lot of time writing. I'll write a schedule out for three, four months at a time daily. I'll look at a book and say it's 500 pages. How am I going to break it down to the macro level? And then, you know, write it out and say that's the plan. And I don't always succeed with every step. I may have to be willing to fail and go back and keep going. And you'll be amazed that after a while, I think, Science says somewhere around 68 days, 68 days of doing something creates a habit mm. where it becomes unconscious and it's a lifestyle. It's no longer a task. When you do that, these conversations, these perspectives, these outlooks on life, your career, you gain an influence that supersedes anything that you can ever imagine. And you can enjoy your military career while you're going through opposed to getting to the end, only hoping to remember what you've experienced. So thank you so much for actually inviting me on. I always uh, have a pleasure getting a chance to chat with you and, and see you in person. I know you've been busy uh, preparing to PCS. So uh, Godspeed to you and safe travel to you and your family and best wishes to you at your next uh, command over at uh, at Maxwell, right? Yeah, over at Maxwell. Yeah, it's a unique opportunity, man. We get to join. Uh, I'll be part of, I'll be the senior enlisted advisor uh, for international affairs and the senior enlisted leader I probably just SEL for both of them, right? But uh, it's different names, but SEL for the International Officer School. So, man, my time at PACAP, I had such a blast. Uh, you know, our international partners are amazing. Our international, our allies and our partners are phenomenal. Uh, not to go to combat, but that, that's just my nature, man. But uh, the, the next war we fight, we we need. And we really, when I say need, it's all caps, underlined, bold print, circled, highlighted. Uh, need allies and partners, man. This is this, the world environment we live in now, not to go classified by any means. Uh, it just requires more. Um, but anyway, uh, man, I, I appreciate the, the the prayers and the well wishes on that. We we actually head out here in a couple of days and that way. It's three hours. It's the shortest PCS I've ever had. Um, but before we before we sign off here, man, I will admit, I, I know it's out of the hand the mic over to you, but I'm part of the clap it up, right? When I say clap up and rank, right? Of like the culture you talked about creating. I was that way for years, man, because that's what I was a product of, right? Mm -hmm. uh, people are like, hey, we need you to do this. And I'd be like, okay, well, that's why I was needed. So I'm, that person needs to do it. It's simply like, man, senior airman, you're a rock star. Let's hang out here a little while and become even a better rock star. Make sure your foundation is good. So trying to pull that person to be a staff sergeant in two and a half years or whatever, right? So anyway, I'm, I will raise my hand and say, yep, I'm guilty of that. For the audience, you couldn't see the papers he was holding up. There's like 432,000 words written on those papers. Uh, the man is definitely disciplined. If hey, if, real quick, if you give us some thought, man, you don't have to answer right now, but uh, I'd like to see uh, invite you to do an article, and we'll post it out on Real Talker Cable on the article side uh, about discipline and how to walk through that. Some people do better listening. Some people like visual. Some people like visual and and you know reading and and listening to it. So if you give us some thought, if you're available, put some of your thoughts on paper on article out there, and also. You know the deal, man. I like to ask people uh, what they hope their legacy would be, and then we'll let you off the hook here. But uh, what what would you, not to be morbid, but uh, at the end of the day, when you're in your rocking chair, you're in your final place, looking over everything you've accomplished, what do you hope that legacy will be? What, what do you want people to say about you or know about you or believe about you? You know, for a while, to answer that question about what I want my legacy to be, for, for years, I, I thought I wanted to be something big, huge. But... And, and I haven't lost that, but I was thinking short, my real legacy that I think meets that huge piece is that when you interact with someone that possibly knew me, worked with me, had a relationship with me in some form or fashion, whether professionally or personally, and they asked you, what do you love most about him? It would be the fact that, man, he was just a solid dude. Anytime that I needed that brother, 
he was there. Anytime that I needed encouragement, he was there. Anytime I needed help, he was there. Man, he just had a unique outlook and perspective on life, no matter what he faced. That inspired me to keep going. Just a solid dude. That's the legacy. That's the only legacy I want to have with my kids, you know, and, and, and anyone that I had a relationship with that I left an imprint on their life in that way. That's, that's well, awesome, man. Thanks, thanks so much for being on again. Hey, to the audience, y'all know the deal. Till we talk again, keep it real, stay hard to kill. Thank you.